Hello, thanks for tuning in. This is Making Connections, a podcast by the Flame Writing Center. One of the issues which has generated a lot of heat in recent times, but perhaps not that much light despite everything that's been said about it, is the Aadhaar issue. And to talk about Aadhaar, I have with me today Professor Shiv Kumar Jolad, who is Professor of Public Policy at Flame University, Pune. Uh, Shiva, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Aditi. So the first thing I'm curious about is you're working on on Aadhaar now uh, and you're looking at Aadhaar in relation to identity, welfare and privacy. So what is it that has drawn you to the subject at this point when the dust in a sense seems to have settled? Yeah, so in 2017, the right to privacy, Supreme Court uh, declared that privacy is a fundamental right Mm. which follows from the uh, Article 21 of the Indian Constitution. And there are many petitions filed uh, for Aadhaar. So then I was actually looking at Aadhaar issue. I had written a few articles on it, mm. which was published in Medium. And uh, so from right to privacy, there were many other petitions which actually challenged the validity of Aadhaar itself, mm. whether it should be used for any public welfare uh, delivery systems and uh, whether the government has right to take the biometric uh, mm from the people Mm. so then in September 2018 there was a Supreme Court order which um, talked about um, which gave a verdict which said that uh, Aadhaar can be used in a limited sense Mm. by the government Mm. but it's limited its use only to delivery of uh, subsidy systems and for PAN card linking with PAN Mm. but it barred all the private players from actually entering it to Mm. So during that time, there are a lot of heated debates around the media. Mm. So even uh, there were questions about how the Aadhaar bill was brought into the parliament. Mm. So I was following these things, you know, so I had interest in um, uh, like, you know, how the development, uh, developmental issues and delivery of the subsidy systems. Mm. So Mm. then I continued and in 2018, I also gave a talk at IIT Gandhinagar where they asked me to write about this issue. Mm. So then I started writing about um, Aadhaar. First, trying to clarify what actually Aadhaar means. Mm-hmm. Many people who are criticizing Aadhaar in the public domain didn't actually know what Aadhaar meant, in what way it is being used. Mm. Okay. Either few people who are strongly supporting it or mm. there were few groups who are strongly opposing it. Mm. So then I said, okay, let me clarify the air, you know, let me write about it. Mm. And then uh, maybe you know, clarify some controversial issues that are mm. there. Because I think even now, when you say Aadhaar, the word has just become, uh, it's almost like a symbol. And not everybody is aware of okay, what exactly does the Aadhaar Act do? Mm-hmm. And why did, it, why did it generate so much, um, such a fervor of protest? So uh, can you take us through... You know, when you when you look at actually the nuts and bolts of Aadhaar as a as a law, in terms of the data that it collects and the reason for collecting that data, what does Aadhaar actually do? Mm-hmm. Aadhaar, you know, literally, it means foundations. Mm-hmm. You know, government is using it for as a foundation for all the public welfare mm-hmm. schemes. Okay. Mm-hmm. But historically, it came out as a need to plug in the leakages in the delivery system. 
so if you recollect in the mid 80s you know rajiv gandhi had made a comment for every 100 rupees that the government spends only around 15 rupees is actually reaches the poor yeah okay so and we all know especially from my generation pre liberalization era so the government was the sole source of uh, most of the consumer goods at that time mm. and uh, including ration ration kerosene etc mm. so like you know most of it is was being siphoned or forced okay so and there was rampant corruption mm. all over in almost every level of the bureaucracy in the delivery system mm. okay so in the late 2006 you know so then government thought of issuing uh, plugging this leakages mm. at that time upm moved towards the right based approach to uh, like social welfare mm. so from right to information act and then uh, right to employment like manrega act mm. right to food campaigns were in the bureau and right to health campaigns were um, led by many activists during mm. that time so <clears throat> at that time like you know government came up with this idea that okay we should issue a unique identification to individual first it was thought mainly for the poor people mm. because uh, let's say pds system is mainly meant for the poor yeah okay so then create a unique id system which cannot be forced or duplicated or you can't have ghost identification mm. okay so that was the original idea so that they will minimize all this leakages mm. so then for that they needed to create a id unique id system but just to just to pause the that itself implies that whatever forms of identification existed prior to aadhar mm-hmm. were also were of course subject to theft and subject to misuse mm-hmm. so i mean the the question about uh, you know losing your identity mm-hmm. was always a question right even before aadhar absolutely mm-hmm. yeah so if you lost an id card it was very difficult to Uh, get a new one, mm. and it was very easy for other people to forge your ID card. In your name, someone else could have taken, mm. or an, you can create an ID card with with a name whose didn't exist. Mm. Ghost IDs. Mm. You know, this was rampant. You know, you can get multiple driver's license, multiple voter card, multiple ration cards. Mm. In fact, many states had you know, more ration cards than the PDS cards than uh, the number of total population itself. You know? mm. so it was very easy to duplicate these things mm. because these were all ids based on you know demographic information and uh, you know mostly demographic information yeah. but which could be easily duplicated duplicated fold but biometric is not like that it's uh, mm. it uh, i mean okay firstly the term biometrics mm-hmm. what does it refer to it doesn't refer does it refer only to fingerprints and uh, the retina or it can be broader so, than that it can be broader than that you know historically like fingerprints were the first biometrics that were used mm. you know, for crime detection in the ninth late 19th century itself mm. you know. so and then later only recently in the 90s the iris identification actually came up mm. along with the other biological feature the most foolproof way to identify a person is dna mm. so we may in future have a dna way mm. you know fingerprinting uh, identification system but right now the error rates you know so biometric is like your individuals attributes yeah. you know, which is very difficult to forge so the error rates in actually duplicate creating duplicate biometric system is extremely low mm-hmm. especially the iris pattern mm-hmm. okay so that's one of the reason you know many security system across the world use biometric mm-hmm. and india went for 
a combination of like both fingerprints and iris mm-hmm. the i iris patterns so as to almost nullify the chances of being duplicated or forced mm-hmm. so that is the evolution but the question of biometrics it also for some people it's controversial that this is a it, some people consider it invasive right i don't i mean personally no i don't think uh, giving fingerprints to somebody is is invasive but where do you stand on that question of mm-hmm. is our biometrics essentially more invasive do they in themselves violate privacy whereas demographic information demographic data doesn't so when it talks about to what extent you protect your identity mm-hmm. many other demographic details are public mm-hmm. so people know your name it's very easy to get your date of birth address also people will know mm-hmm. so most of the demographic features are public whereas biometric is considered you know pretty private hmm. so now you should have an authentication system which actually keeps it private hmm. it should not be that okay okay someone hmm. else should come hmm. and uh, siphon off this you know hmm. biometric data hmm. okay although like even if someone siphons off authentication stage the person has to be there you hmm. can't have a ghost person coming and actually identifying that himself hmm. the chances are extremely rare hmm. okay but as a principle like you know i do largely agree that you know you should um, keep the biometrics private you know should not be leaked hmm. no should not be leaked of course is, i mean that that's a we'll come to that but to 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 take biometrics at all hmm. uh, i mean the court has held right, that that is not a that's not a violation of of your privacy hmm. the the biomet- biometric data itself hmm. it's not inherently invasive to take biometrics yeah i thing i think to take the biometric is not inherently invasive that's what i feel mm-hmm. um because fundamentally like you know whenever an agency wants to give you some service you want to access some service from an agency mm-hmm. okay so that agency has a right to know who you are mm-hmm. you should validate yourself mm-hmm. who you are mm-hmm. i am who i am mm-hmm. okay so the most unique way to prove yourself that you are what you claim to be mm-hmm. is through biometric yeah if you do not give this information then someone else may take your name so that means you know there is a trade off you know you're losing some part of your privacy mm. so in exchange of services mm. that's what happens you know whenever you access a service you always give some part of your information you trade off and you get the service yeah. but this is essential biometric is essentially essential because it's private to yourself but the thing is you're giving it so that there is a unique Uh, mm. service that you get which other should not misuse in your name yeah so and also i mean biometrics of course we have been giving in free time we want to get a visa mm. we give our biometrics nobody mm. has so but then the reason why this became a big issue i suppose is that the architecture of the aadhar act the way in which it is using um, this biometric data mm-hmm. does that lend itself to misuse or is it um, is it also inherently um, uh, an abuse of privacy can you just explain to us what is the architecture of the aadhar act how does it collect data and you know what does it use that data for mm-hmm. fundamentally any resident of india mm. usual resident of india can get aadhar mm. first of all it's not a proof of citizenship okay. yeah so aadhar it captures mainly f- uh, few details like you know your demographic information actually minimalistic mm. information mainly your name date of birth your uh, father's or spouse's name mm. and geographic attribute mainly your address mm. and uh, biometric mm. biometric it first captures your picture mm. 
and your fingerprints all the 10 fingerprints mm. if you have and iris pattern mm. okay so this is the only you know these are the features that it captures it doesn't capture other details like your race caste religion mm. or your bank account it's not allowed to right it's not allowed to by act mm. other act you know they are not supposed to collect those information mm. and uh, even in the authentication stage if someone bank actually tries to authenticate you based on other mm. the uida cannot actually store that data mm. okay so it is kind of ignorant towards its users mm. why it is being used you know it is ignorant about it so when i access a service mm-hmm. and i use my aadhar card for it mm-hmm. suppose i do a rent agreement and i authenticate myself via aadhar mm-hmm. what is what does the uida know about what i have just done so the authentication stage you know there are different ways to authentication like for example they can give you your biometric sorry uh, demographic details and your aadhar number mm-hmm. your name maybe your date of birth and your aadhar number mm-hmm. so all that uida says is it's yes or no you are home, you know what you claim to be yes mm-hmm. or no mm-hmm. or you can give a combination of biometric like your fingerprints and your aadhar number mm-hmm. or fingerprints and your demographic details so this type of combination you can give so they in, they authenticate that this is the person yeah but do they know what that person has done what what my rent agreement is ah, no, they have absolutely no idea about it or they are not supposed to capture any such information in fact it is not captured at the uidi database at all so all that it does it gives you a written information like yes or no hmm. it is ignorant for act what actual purpose you are using you know hmm. if a bank uh, captures your aadhar detail hmm. and authenticates you the aadhar will not know your bank account it knows that you know this such and such a bank actually asked for your detail hmm. but other details so it has a kind of meta level understanding of what i've done but very thin ah very thin yeah absolutely yeah okay because you know the one who tries to access it it should know bit about it about the agency which is hmm. using it hmm. but it doesn't store your data linked to those hmm. it is not linked to your pds so uid authority itself doesn't mm-hmm. link it to pds or rash or bank account or any other purpose mm-hmm. so then where does the question of the fear of profiling arise yeah profile is, is that a legitimate fear to some extent yes so note that aadhar act says the uid cannot store this data mm-hmm. it doesn't forbid the internal agencies from storing the data mm-hmm. so for example many private parties let's say if they access your aadhar data mm-hmm. they can actually interlink among themselves right mm-hmm. so it is just like um, if you take example of let's say reliance you know reliance mm-hmm. has reliance digital reliance uh, uh, mobile jio mobile mm-hmm. you know and many other services that reliance has mm-hmm. okay now if they capture aadhar detail for your uh, you know identification mm-hmm. so now they can link to each of them and they can track you mm-hmm. and um, because it gives a unique id hmm. they know that you are who you claim you are hmm. and they can interlink different databases that they have and kind of create a profile in the same way government also let's say if it decides that uida doesn't have that authority hmm. but individual agencies let's say voter id let's say if they link to aadhar hmm. and they also know that this aadhar number is linked to your bank account or maybe your party membership or whatever hmm. so with that if they come to know where all your id has been accessed mm. and if they decide to integrate them mm. so then they can create a profile okay the main problem is fundamentally there is no data protection act right now mm. 
which for explicitly forbids such integration that's okay so just i'll return to that question of uh, there not being an act but this uh, this technique of profiling it could could it not also be done with some other data point like say my phone number because my phone number also is linked to various things mm. absolutely yeah in fact it is possible with uh, so for example any private is gmail id like mm-hmm. you know so one email id links to every thing and even phone number you know many commercial agencies they do link across and mm-hmm. then they can create a profile no but the thing is you know phone number can be changed mm-hmm. right whereas other number cannot be changed mm-hmm. you generally don't choose to change your phone number frequently that is one thing mm-hmm. but if you want you can change mm-hmm. okay there is some but okay. your biometric you know you cannot change mm-hmm. so that's a the greater degree of security that comes with a biometric mm. okay and people you can ascertain that you so whatever this id he is the only person that is mm. associated with it so therefore greater security in profiling as well yeah. i mean a more accurate profile more accurate a more permanent profile, profile. but um, so that's when i understand that what i still what i don't understand and i've also been thinking about it as a as a lawyer also mm-hmm. uh when aadhar is not itself a date aadhar is not a law which uh, de- delineates you know what are the contours of data protection mm-hmm. aadhar is not uh, so the need for a data protection law mm-hmm. is anyway over and above whether you're using aadhar or whether you're using you know other forms of demographic data you need a data protection law yeah, absolutely so but why has all the kind of heat and all the protest been focused on aadhar as though aadhar is a bad data protection mm-hmm. law when aadhar is not a data protection law at all mm-hmm. it's you know and does i mean nowhere in aadhar is it kind of stated that there should not be any further legislation on on data protection right mm-hmm. but why has the debate become framed in this way that uh, we kind of associate aadhar with laying down the rules on use of data as well those rules need to be laid down separately mm-hmm. yeah absolutely in fact aadhar became a scapegoat mm. to the privacy activists mm. so so before aadhar there was hardly any furore about the privacy in mm-hmm. in fact many uh, activists say that there is no word for privacy one is this privacy has not been explicitly mentioned in the indian constitution mm. other is even in indian languages to say you know you don't find any equivalent word for privacy but in india privacy is now a fundamental right i mean that ah, was now it's a fundamental yeah. but this debate started earlier mm. so after aadhar mm. so now when government has been capturing data about individuals for a long time from mm. census 1872 onwards mm. from the colonial times they have been capturing data about every individual mm. okay and only thing is in the recent decades you know post it revolution so now every record is being digitized mm. okay now you can get data in finger tips and mm. click of a button you can get you know lot of data about individuals okay now and also with the digitization came the digitization of all the welfare schemes mm. and right to information came about you know mm. that i made it mandatory that all the government schemes and the beneficiaries have to be um, you know published online you know mm. so government has to voluntarily disclose information mm. okay so freedom of information and privacy kind of goes in opposite direction Mm. thing is if you want more information about people and government action so you lose privacy corresponding corresponding yeah so that came in 2005 and all these things were expanding many go- schemes 
were laid out and everything was made digital especially manrega mm. so large databases were being created mm. post 2005 e governance became the norm now then came the aadhar mm. but no scheme had a pervasiveness as much as aadhar mm. okay so like for example pds was restricted to all the beneficiaries of pds you know, mm. voter list was mainly for adults mm. so aadhar was for every individual okay so then they hooked down to this hmm. although there was a danger of loss of privacy in all other databases for yes. example voter id card is uh, uh, electoral roll is public hmm. okay in fact you can go to election commission website and look up uh, electoral id of any member hmm. in india hmm. okay so you can just give the location and roughly a last name and you can get you know where the person stays and which locality hmm. okay so in that way we have a database of almost 800 million indians citizens mm-hmm. online mm-hmm. in the election commission mm-hmm. people didn't question this although there were cases of misuse especially in the godra riot mm-hmm. where they use electoral riot they use well. the rolls to identify identify especially muslim population yeah. mm-hmm. you can target them yeah mm-hmm. but some of the debate didn't blow up blow up mm-hmm. but post aadhar the debate blew up mm-hmm. so i my feeling is they should have started this data privacy issue much before aadhar itself mm. you know, when so much was data being protected you know, captured mm. and put up in the public domain mm. without worrying about the privacy but post aadhar like you know they just targeted this so now now let's say even if you target you know um, let's say if you make all the aadhar data uh, private and also ensure that whatever interlinkages that they do keeps it to themselves you know that doesn't completely ensure privacy Mm-hmm. because there is no pervasive data protection law so mm-hmm. there may be other means of authentication for example mobile number so i think that's why the debate has to broaden itself rather than just focusing on other just on the question of data protection what is there is a bill right i mean what's the status on so there are a couple of bills there was a private member of bill by jayan panda but it didn't move through and last year government also released their own um, sir data protection bill mm. 2018 but mm. it's still pending in the parliament and there are a lot of uh, discussions that are going on about it so see the thing is there are many good thing about um, this data protection law like uh, bill mm. it was uh, partly adopted from the european framework for the data protection although like you know it does try to give um, acts you know some degree of privacy to the individual to you know without individuals consent you cannot capture data mm. free informed you know consensual provision of the data i think mm. largely that is what it envision okay mm. so those things are there and also it says that broadly it should not be misused mm. okay but it also created a lot of loopholes you know in the bill itself for security you can uh, for security purpose you can use mm. uh, so you can ask for the data without consent you can profile also for security purpose ah uh, you can profile also even state if it wants to provide any services it doesn't need your consent mm. to actually capture the data mm. okay so it gave lot of exemption it gave exemption to the state it gave exemption to the law mm. authorities it gave exemption to the surveillance authorities like nai mm. so there are so many exemption that it has given mm. so then it becomes ineffective so in principle government if it really wants to profile mm. you can take the same act mm. and then do your profile so same bill so yeah. you know what seems to me to have happened obviously those who were uh, very kind of anxious about aadhar mm-hmm. and very hostile to aadhar they would have sensed that the the imagination of the state mm-hmm. 
is towards more totalitarian kind of surveillance mm-hmm. and therefore they equated that with aadhar mm-hmm. but the problem is even if that is what the the direction in which the government is going mm-hmm. that is not what the nuts and bolts of aadhar is yeah. so then when you lose the aadhar battle mm-hmm. you end up losing because you yourself equated the two things it's as though you've lost the larger battle of the surveillance state because all the energy expended in fighting aadhar mm-hmm. it did not succeed aadhar aadhar went through with i mean with some of course things were struck down but but not not very germane to the act itself and now it's as though okay now we are kind of resigned to the fact that the government can um, can move on with you know doing what it needs to do for the sake of security or with whatever excuses it wants to make mm-hmm. so i i mean just to take another example you've spoken about how biometrics are okay they are they are very accurate but they don't always work is that is that mm-hmm. correct that there are instances yeah. where so so now there are in aadhar usage itself you know there are multiple stages you know mm-hmm. one is aadhar enrollment and main two stages are aadhar enrollment and aadhar authentication these are the primary mm-hmm. stages so one is enrollment it captures data let's mm-hmm. say you are giving your demographic data many people do have if they let's say date of birth if you don't know it's fine you can give the age and mm-hmm. you can certify by some other means biometric also some people may have um, fingerprint some people may not have let's say if amputated mm. but at least people will have some form of idea either fingerprints or iris mm. so there is no problem in actually giving aadhar to all individuals mm. you know it's almost 99.99% of the people can get aadhar and it has penetrated widely mm. okay so that is fine but the thing is next is usage of aadhar mm. okay so let's say if government wants to use it at um, for pds public distribution system mm. so now pds already has its own database mm. of the beneficiaries mm. okay first when you have to seed the aadhar there is a stage called aadhar seeding mm. okay so now it has to merge these databases mm. okay now in india like there is always a mismatch you know so the names are written in widely different way the age is okay uh, like you know issue so there are a lot of uh parameters in which two databases may not merge mm. so in which that will invalidate lot of uh, you know ids of the pds okay so lot of it may be genuine because lot of people let's say a single family may have around four pds mm. uh, cards mm. or some ghost thing will be there so on by and large you do expect that during the seeding stage lot of fake and ghost beneficiaries will be wiped out mm. but there is also a chance that genuine beneficiaries will also be wiped out mm. because of this database mismatch mm. okay this is the case of aadhar seeding mm. okay so this can happen even in the pahal you know the lpg distribution mm. there also even genuine beneficiaries can be excluded this is an exclusion error during the seeding process mm. okay so let's say this also you passed mm. next stage is aadhar authentication mm. during the authentication stage you know so now for authentication what do you need let's say if you are in a remote area you have a pos mm. you know some kind of a mobile banking type of thing mm. where uh, point of sale so firstly that it may not be working ha huh. firstly it may not be working yeah. you need electricity you need internet connection mm. from the supply side and the equipment also has to be working these three conditions have to be met mm. okay batteries have to be proper yeah okay. and other thing is even if it's operating so now when you try to authenticate generally it is a fingerprint authentication mm. now what happens is many people laborers india's you know rural population especially those who work in the field you know their fingerprints are lost mm. 
so now they may not be able to authenticate themselves mm-hmm. because of this mm-hmm. so authentication it may say that it is an error in authentication mm-hmm. okay so most of the time like you know so then they are they are genuine people mm-hmm. but they will be denied okay so one is from a user side that can be done other is the supply side you know it's very frequently that you know internet connection won't work 3g is not there everything is yeah. 4g yeah and uh, equipment may not work so there are many exclusions that come because of this yeah so th- th- that's right now the interesting thing is you have a system the system has some glitches is bound to have some glitches now in the aadhar judgment the majority held that okay you work out iron out the glitches as you go on mm-hmm. and i think that's the situation that's happening right. right for example if if i am a genuine case but my biometrics don't match mm-hmm. then they will look at other documents right yeah many states have actually started this offline authentication system you can give other id cards hmm. and later they will try to link it yeah. and then get to this yeah. yeah but the dissenting judgment justice chandrachol he said that no when you're talking about the right to food or the right to these basic welfare services there can't be any glitches mm-hmm. uh, so if you have glitches and you know there are going to be glitches from the outset mm-hmm. that means the law is bad that was one of the one of the arguments he put forth now this to me is very is actually strange because your it's almost as though the aadhar act the same way it is being treated as definitive on data protection mm-hmm. or the use of data you're treating it as definitive on service delivery Mm-hmm. that there is no you know the uh, aadhar itself is is defining the right to welfare the right to food obviously the right to welfare and the right to food has to be absolute absolutely but aadhar is simply a service mechanism and the service mechanism will never be absolutely perfect mm-hmm. neither was anything before this and now is now is this but again that in the whole the way the aadhar debate is framed it's almost that as though it is equated with rights absolutely and you mentioned at the very beginning that the whole point was that there is a rights discourse mm-hmm. which preceded aadhar mm-hmm. there is the understanding that people have these rights mm-hmm. and now we want to we want to implement it and we want to you know mm-hmm. reduce wastage and corruption and so on mm-hmm. but um, i just noticed that the the dissent is 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 actually the one which equates mm-hmm. aadhar as being the creator of of your rights and similarly mm-hmm. on the issue of identity that that's another important mm-hmm. issue right that Uh, is aadhar overtaking people's identity that's another fear mm-hmm. what so what's the mm-hmm. i mean what what would you say is the is the right approach to that question mm-hmm. because now there's also talk about other cards right multi multi purpose nationality card okay. yeah. so one thing people have the rights whether aadhar is there or not inherently mm-hmm. okay but to operationalize it mm-hmm. you need some way to identify yourself okay no the question is historically even pre aadhar days you know there are other ways people try to identify themselves like you know they used to show their voter id card mm. or their driver's license or their pds card or some other form mm. you know to authenticate themselves even pre aadhar days you know mm. although rights were there mm. but rights was still being denied to people mm. because of lack of identity mm. Mm. or lack of proper identity yeah lack of uh, proper proof yeah. lack lack of proper so it's an operational question mm. right so now aadhar came and the government trusts aadhar like anything mm. because it's identify first of all it's beneficial from the service provider point of view mm. not from the user point of view user point it may be but not to that mm. extent from a service point of view like you want to ensure that whatever money is there it goes to the right person mm. so in that way government started insisting on aadhar Mm. being the sole identity mm. but the thing is that excluded you know 
you know a good chunk of population especially in uh, rural areas and remote areas mm. where other authentication was a problem mm. so the rights delivery actually failed these are um, socio economic rights where you are mm. getting as some entitlement from the government mm. is being denied because you are not able to prove yourself who you are mm. okay so in that way indirectly that is affecting your rights yeah um, but uh, i mean the, that is a failure which applies to pretty much any mode of implementation mm-hmm. all of them lack in some way yeah, yeah. and when it does lack the thing to the thing to do is to shore that up right it is to uh, you know supplement like if if authentication yeah. is not so it should be other ways of authenticating mm-hmm. you should mm-hmm. ensure that you know no no one is denied of the rights right to food or uh, whatever right to other mm-hmm. welfare benefits you know it should not be denied just because of lack of aadhar lack of aadhar that's what even the aadhar act hmm. and also supreme court judgment hmm. clearly states those hmm. but in practice when you try to operationalize it they find it difficult to do it hmm. on the one hand you say that no one should be denied this uh, benefits just because of lack of aadhar hmm. on the other hand you say that aadhar card or at least aadhar enrollment number should be provided to you hmm. so there is a contradiction within this you know yeah i just think that what is missing here is a is a powerful rights discourse independent of aadhar which will make it which ought to make it clear that i mean your rights are fundamental rights mm-hmm. there are rights to citizens and non citizens mm-hmm. article 21 the right to life mm-hmm. it is for it is for all people it is obviously not based on your having an aadhar card mm-hmm. rather aadhar card may be one of the ways in which you actualize mm-hmm. that right and mm-hmm. other rights mm-hmm. socio economic mm-hmm. rights mm-hmm. but i think that an opportunity has been missed in all this discourse mm-hmm. to say that okay aadhar is doing all these things mm-hmm. but the rights are over and above that mm-hmm. so wherever aadhar is failing mm-hmm. that you know the rights still continue on other other means have to be found to fulfill those mm-hmm. rights uh, and similarly if aadhar is you know normally you normally we interpret laws to make them compatible with rights mm-hmm. that's the that's how it should be done not to demonize the law mm-hmm. to make it incompatible but try to make it compatible so similarly with data protection it was i think a good opportunity to say look the aadhar act is okay mm-hmm. but you cannot go the step further to profiling mm-hmm. rather than saying the aadhar act is not okay because you know this could be profiling mm-hmm. uh, where you you know you're kind of because the law can be misused you're you're striking it down mm-hmm. i'm talking about the dissent dissent but the dissent also the dissent has been is echoed in the in generally in, in the context. in the protest right in the in those who've been critical of aadhar so um what do you think is now the next step now we have aadhar now what do we need to do to as you mentioned there is talk about now new identity cards mm-hmm. so people are excited about surveillance about equating identity with cards mm-hmm. so what do we need to do because it's not going in a great direction right even if aadhar is okay aadhar yeah. is yeah. so now it is the next level that we are government is trying to take up mm-hmm. is a multi purpose national identity card mm-hmm. the original idea actually predated aadhar mm-hmm. so where during the vajpayee era advani wanted to give um, a national identity card to every citizen in the country mm. and create this national population registrar mm. okay but uh, that was not fully operational mm. there are many other issues you know that came up mm. okay but what's happening is you know that now the home ministry has uh, uh, restarted thinking about that multi purpose national identity card so now this is different from aadhar in the sense that okay so one it will use aadhar data for identification mm. of the residents 
so but it will also add many other attributes mm. to it aadhar has very minimal information they will add other attributes and create what is called national population register mm. of all the usual residents mm. now residents can be both citizens and non citizens who are residing in india mm. right now for citizens you create this you know national identification card mm. where you prove yourself that you are united it's like a passport type mm. and for uh, non citizens uh, you are giving a multi purpose card itself okay. mm. now if you just give the identification that's still fine you know many countries do have national identification card mm. but now the idea of the home ministry is to link this card to all service delivery like you know mm. so first this card will be linked to your birth and death registration so that's linked to this population register okay mm. so that is fine but you know you start linking it to all the service delivery thing mm. let's say pds your narega mm. or many other governments can including driver's license mm. okay now one number linked to all these things mm. but if one agency actually controls this linkage you know mm. that's going to lead to a profiling yeah so the thing is it's identification is one thing other is making it as a data card is different you identification card and data card should be mm. you know different so now they are trying to make this as a data card not just an identification card and there i see a dangerous you know where you can profile you can let's say if you move out of a country or if you go from one airport to another airport if they insist on one id card mm. for that so they know where you are going mm. okay where, where you are moving within india and then so in that way they can track you yeah so i think i mean the now what we really need is to push back against these kind of moves mm-hmm. on the basis of rights Mm-hmm. but i have a feeling that there has been a, it has been a case of crying wolf okay. you know the boy who cried wolf and you made aadhar into your wolf mm. and aadhar was not the wolf but now the wolf is coming mm. and the wolf yes you had it in your mind but that doesn't mean that you equate it with aadhar mm-hmm. because now that aadhar has you know the battle is has been lost mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know it's you've emboldened you've emboldened emboldened any government entity or person mm-hmm. who wanted to be totalitarian to mm-hmm. be totalitarian so mm-hmm. it's probably i think it's a you know now okay now we have some distance from a little bit of distance from the aadhar debate itself maybe this is what has happened because when i see the way that you analyzing aadhar it's you know it's it's really tough to find any particular outstanding flaw with aadhar which is not also there mm-hmm. otherwise which was not there before so, i think largely as you said instead of making aadhar as a bull for a scapegoat mm-hmm. so that they should have focused on the data privacy mm. issues you know mm. because even pre aadhar itself we have been collecting so much of data yeah so for you know no clear act which actually protects the data within india and we haven't also. even spoken about private entities and you know data protection in relation to private entities mm. which is another they are not regulated at all in yeah, india not, so so yeah so now in europe there is a large debate you know the google and apple there are many lawsuits against this company because of invasion to privacy Right, because they capture data, they use it in different purpose. They sell it to commercial agencies, sometimes without explicit, you know, consent. You know, mm. so they have been prosecuted. They have to pay a lot of it. But in India, such a case hasn't happened. Yeah. So, both government and private entities have to be held accountable for the data that they capture from the users, and ensure that without the consent of the individual, mm. you should not misuse your data other than what it is. primarily meant for mm. you should not be sharing data or you should not be doing activities which is not directly related to the broader service that you are mm. trying to provide so unless you are very 
like you know careful with your data usage or the law should actually ensure that mm. so data misuse doesn't happen only then we yeah. can prevent and the way that it has gone it makes me wonder if people are actually you know critics are you actually concerned about individual rights or are you more concerned about governmentality mm. in the sense that it seems to me that premise that government is the creator of your rights is actually accepted mm-hmm. and the disagreement is that you know the judiciary would would have done it differently mm-hmm. judiciary is also wing of government mm-hmm. so when i read the dissent it's almost like i would have you know i would have done it differently but neither judiciary nor government is the creator of your rights mm-hmm. yeah. so they may disagree amongst themselves about you know how the right should be the right exists apart from them apart from them yeah. mm-hmm. and that understanding seems to have been lost mm-hmm. because of which um, you know you it's as though aadhar has kind of occupied the field of what is data use what is identity mm-hmm. uh, what is the right to welfare whereas aadhar was passed as a money bill as yeah, you, you pointed out in your paper right it was um, I, i mean this was one of the things which was debated a lot but if it was passed as a money bill that means it obviously cannot be a law to de- to declare identity or a law to exemplify the right to food it mm-hmm. can only be a service delivery you know something incidental to the to the use of money mm-hmm. but it's we've allowed it to become so much more in the way that people have protested mm-hmm. i think in the way that people have protested so mm-hmm. so now aadhar has become the de facto identity yeah so it's it's become it's been yeah it's been allowed to be seen that way and even if you despair that mm-hmm. why do you admit that mm-hmm. you know why did you admit that it was never that and mm-hmm. um, so anyway it will be interesting to see what happens but i think the the big takeaway is that it's more than ever we need to push for uh, the rights discourse right to, discourse to check um so the privacy debate has to go further and data protection and privacy mm-hmm. so they will have to take more center stage more center and the stage. rights discourse yeah rather than making one agency as the scapegoat yeah okay so pleasure talking to you shiva it was pleasure talking yeah. to you thank yeah. you thank you thank you to our listeners